Hey guys, welcome to Simone Che. I'm Shu. I'm Sydney. And today we're here to just blab your faces off. Because you love us and you want to spend so much time with us. Get ready for that talk, 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 talk. I don't want to talk, 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 talk. Is that a real song? No, I'm just, I think I'm just doing the like, work, 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 work. Oh, okay. I was, I would have believed you if you told me that was a new song. I don't know. Yeah, no, but maybe I'll just steal that shit. Steal? Well, I don't, is it stealing? Because I didn't recognize it as that song. Then no. Yeah, it's it's all your own. It's all your own. It's all your own. It's all original Shoe Marley material. Copyright 2017. Yeah, baby. Simone podcast. Um, so I talked about a lot of stuff on the last episode that I probably shouldn't talk about. Um, Only if you want. I, I've decided this should be our way of uh, ending relationships. Yeah, because I don't. Just using this podcast. Hey, um, yeah, you want to go on another date? Cool, cool. Yeah. Why don't you uh, just listen to the last episode of my podcast? And then give me a call afterwards. Tell me what you think. <laughs> um, I like the idea of being like, I'm a busy woman. I'm creating a media empire. I don't have time to go on a date with you. But if you want to spend time with me, just listen to my podcast. And then afterwards, if you want to still have sex with me, then you're a fucking idiot. So <laughs> after I'm like, hashtag it's over. Hashtag you fucking suck with your dick. <laughs> you fucking suck with your dick. <laughs> That should have been one of them. Oh, uh, oh, it will be. It will be. I'll be like, hashtag blowjob week. Well, hashtag you fucking suck with your dick. <laughs> <laughs> well, if Deacon and I, hopefully not, knock on wood, ever get divorced, I'm just going to be like, uh, listeners, I have some really sad news. I'm getting a divorce. And then I'm just going to be like, hey, Deacon, uh. I have some news for you if you just go listen to the last episode. I really think you should listen to the last episode. It was really good, and there's some information you might find pertinent to your life. There's some things I need to tell you. There's just, like, there's a lot of valuable information in general in the last episode, Mm -hmm. so just listen to it. Um, And then, but listen to it while you're out for a really long walk, Mm -hmm. and then he'll come home and you won't be there anymore. You'll have moved out. Oh! It'll be a really long episode. It's like a four hour long episode. And you're like, just go for a long walk and listen to this and then come home. It's like only directed as specifically at him. But you had to put it out on the internet for everyone, which is kind of how people work these days. Man. Like, shit that should just be personal, they put out on the internet for everyone. Yeah. Okay. So I don't, I don't like how people make their life seem perfect on social media. You know, a lot of people only post all the good stuff and they Facetune and everything. You look at the person in real life, you're like, holy shit, that was that what you really look like? I didn't know because you're always making your face yeah. like way smaller than it is in reality. Yeah. Yeah. They're all you meet someone at a party and they're like, we're actually friends on a, or you actually follow me on Instagram. And I'm like, no, I follow that pretty girl on Instagram. I don't know who the fuck you are. <laughs> but then there's people who post literally everything on social media. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, I woke up and my dad died. And then my boyfriend yelled at me and I had a really bad poop. And yes, I, I had understand. a good yogurt. And then, oh, no, I'm crying now. It's bad. 
I don't fuck with that shit, but I hear tell of it, and it sounds terrible. Oh, yeah, because you're not on Facebook, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm not on Facebook. I had to take a year off because it, it was affecting my life in a very severe way. I was getting super depressed mm-hmm. just reading other people's issues. It had mm-hmm. not, My life, when I stopped and I looked at my life, I'm like, wow, I have a really nice life. Mm-hmm. Why am I feeling so depressed all the time and sad and overwhelmed? Oh, is it maybe everyone else's bullshit that they're screaming yep. at me online? Like, I don't need to know about every single hardship everyone has. No, and also... Um, well, two things, because, you know, I got off Facebook when I quit drinking because I just right could not, I needed to eliminate mental static. I needed to figure out my own shit and couldn't deal with everyone else's shit. But then also all the petty whining, yeah. I can't take it. I have a huge issue with people who are who are like, oh, I got a flat tire or this or that. Or they just act like such a victim because something happened. And it's like, um, yeah, that's life. That's how life works is bad stuff happens. And then you fucking deal with it because there is only one way out, which is to fucking deal with it. If you fall in a hole, you don't need to take a picture of the hole and cry about being a hole in a hole. You just crawl the fuck out of the hole and you move on with your life. Exactly. And I don't, I heard a a quote recently, um, Joe Rogan on his podcast quoted one of his friends as no one cares, work harder. <laughs> and I really like that. Um, and like it's something I keep saying because no one cares. No one cares about whatever petty grievances you have because we all have we all have our crosses to bear and you just have to overcome the obstacles that are directly in front of you because that's actually all that you can do. Exactly. You can either curl up in a ball and cry or you can just overcome the obstacle that you're currently faced with and I hate that whole theory of adulting where people will you know they'll have to go to the DMV or do something and they're like oh hashtag adulting and you're like are you so you're so fucking proud of yourself because like you made your mortgage payment and then changed your address at the DMV like literally that is what every grown-ass adult has to do you don't get a medal for that how about you try harder and you actually achieve something and then you can be proud of that don't post that you just did the normal shit you're supposed to do and then expect an applause from social media. Yeah. You fucking child. Well, I think a lot of it is that they want that applause. They want that reinforcement that they're doing mm-hmm. a good job. Everyone does. I like when I get likes on, you know, of a drawing I post or whatever. My dog is adorable and everyone likes it. And I like that. But we need to stop thinking about that. Uh, instant positive reinforcement especially and I'm talking about specifically people who are just overshare way too much and are way too negative Mm -hmm. online like people who this is a perfect example I was friends with two people on Facebook that were in a relationship Mm -hmm. and every time they would get on in a fight oh no one of them would post like hey is there anyone out there willing to let me stay at their house for a night me and blah 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 just had a huge fight and now she's kicking me out and then in the comments here comes the girlfriend i wouldn't have kicked you out if you didn't keep drinking all the time and do this and that and that and that you know it turns into a fight in public 
that's so on Facebook in the comments. Awkward. Yeah, and it's like, look, that sucks that you're having a hard relationship, but it sucks way harder that you're dragging everyone into it that has to like look at your yeah. page or it pops up in your feed. Uh, I've known, I've known two girls who they basically were with, both of them were with volatile alcoholic types. And so their relationship sucked. They weren't stable. It was always break up, get back together, whatever. And so not, both of these girls wouldn't change their relationship status on Facebook. They just had it so it didn't show up. Mm -hmm. And in both cases, the guys would say, why, why can't you put that we're in a relationship on Facebook? Yada, yada. And the girls rationally said, because I really don't need to have everyone know every time we break up and get back together and break up, like that's private. And I don't need everyone who I went to high school and college with and have ever worked with to know whether or not I'm in a relationship, let alone that it's this stupid back and forth. And these volatile assholes were so upset about it because that's a territorial thing, right? They want to say on the internet, this is my bitch. It's like, you know what? No, you're the fucking bitch. You're the fucking bitch that you need people on social media to know that this is your girlfriend. I've also known girls who've complained to guys that they don't display enough, uh, affection to them via social media they're fine in real life irl mm-hmm. everything's good but then they're they say you need to be more affectionate on this public stage and that's really gross to me because relationships are so private and personal and if you make it performative i don't really know that you're connecting to that person right i have i do have mixed feelings on that because um I have a friend who's been dating a guy for about a year mm-hmm. and he never posts pictures of them on Facebook or acknowledges that he's in a relationship on you know on any social media Does he platform. post other things? He posts other things. He's a big poster he's, but just not of her. Yeah. Okay. And so I asked her mm-hmm. like what's up with that and she said he's private about his personal life mm-hmm. and admittedly the pictures are you know, of things he likes, like cars or mm-hmm. sports or general things. Mm-hmm. And my first um, response was just like, something's wrong. Mm-hmm. And then I stopped and thought, well, I don't, I don't really post that many pictures of me and Deacon mm-hmm. or our relationship. And he doesn't. I mean, Deacon's page, you know, there's go on it. There's probably not very many pictures of me. Just, just videos of him DJing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, mm-hmm. which he's very good at. So, yeah, uh, Deacon Blue Bachelor on Facebook. Check it out. He DJs. He DJs, and it's cool. Anyways, uh, yeah. So I I felt kind of bad that my initial reaction was like, "There's something wrong," mm-hmm. and then I stopped and looked at myself. I'm like, "Well, we don't really post anything, and we're getting married yeah. in a few weeks. We're doing great, you know." So, I it social media is a a fuck. Mind fuck. It is a mind fuck. Yeah. For everyone in all kinds of ways. And it's just, it, it's bothering me, I guess. I it's know. terrible. Because I, I did have to get off Facebook for I entire year. And here's what I'll tell you about that. I didn't ever think about it. No. When I, like, I, I not one day went through my mind was like uh I I wonder what's going on on Facebook I really miss it no it just I completely forgot about it I took the app off my phone Mm -hmm. and it was just like oh yeah I'm living my life yeah then I also realized how many people 
I, I claim I'm friends with or that claim they're friends with me that mm-hmm. I don't interact with at all in yep. real life. I was like, oh, that's interesting. That's And that's part of it is that uh, people, especially when you're cool, which we're cool, uh, people want to have a piece of you because they want that proximity to coolness. Right. And so they want to say, oh, I have this friend and she does these drawings and she's having a Halloween wedding or this or that. They want to be able to claim some sort of connection to you because that makes them cool by default. And so when you let everyone in by living your life publicly, more people can feel like they have that piece of you, which is how celebrities get famous now you have to be able to work the social media i read an article about um shania twain's career and what went wrong and uh the author theorized that possibly because her music isn't deeply personal and she also doesn't play the social media game she is very private and it just doesn't connect to a newer generation of fans because now fans they want to know who you're dating, where you're vacationing, what you're eating, what you're wearing. Like, they really want to feel like they're up in your life, which is why, I mean, the Kardashians have mastered it. Mm -hmm. They're the perfect example of how to succeed in the new media era. And if you don't, uh, if you don't use those avenues, it's harder to be successful Mm -hmm. uh, for Shania Twain. But yeah, so for me, I feel like I don't, I don't like the idea Ultimately, it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter if people are claiming to be my friend or whatever. But I don't like the idea of people feeling like they have a piece of something that's so important to me. It's why, among many reasons, I would never be a prostitute because sex is so important to me and so sacred. The idea of just sharing that with whomever, um, I, I could never do. And so, like, my if I'm in a relationship and I'm really, truly in love and it's very important to me... I am less likely to want to advertise that because it's so special to me. Mm -hmm. It's when you're a teenager and you have your favorite band and you don't want them to make it big because you want... They're sellouts then if everyone knows about it because it's not special anymore. Yeah, I don't want to sell out my life or relationships because I do like keeping things special for me, which is why... um, I'm an open book about myself and my mental health and stuff, but there are certain things that I'm very, very private about, uh, and one of which is my relationship, if I happen to have one. Yeah. Um, well, I have which two, is not often. I have two things to say to that. Which one is Shania's back, baby? I know she's on tour. She's filming a movie with John Travolta. Oh, she is. Yes, it's oh. like they renovate a country house together or something. <laughs> I know. Oh, I cannot wait to see that. Right? Opening day. She's on The Voice. Yes. Oh, she is? Well, she was on last season. I don't know if she's going to be on this season, but she was on last season. She was um advisor, a okay. guest advisor. She came in. Oh, and then she was on a Broad City episode recently, Fuck yeah. which she just was the best because she was like, you know, obviously poking fun of herself mm-hmm. a little. She seeing her little catchphrases from her songs. It it don't impress her much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Stuff like that. So I am super psyched for that because I have a long um, personal relationship with Shania's music and with Shania. I was a huge fan of her growing up, and my dad was actually her number one fan. What? 
once my parents got divorced or separated and my mom moved out, uh, my dad got a Shania Twain poster and put it on the back of his closet door. And he would always look at it and go, ooh, Shania. I fucking love that story so much. Yeah. So anytime, anytime I hear or see of Shania Twain or I see her in my head, I'm just like, Shania. Oh, yeah, baby. Um, <laughs> can we, whenever this movie comes out with John Travolta, can we arrange like a listener get together <gasps> where we get together with listeners and we all go see it opening day? That nothing, would be really fun. Nothing would make me happier. Okay. I feel like that'll be a thing. Yeah. That will okay. be so fun. And we'll recap it on the podcast. Oh, and we yeah. can talk about all our fans that we meet and how cool they are because I know that they are. Yeah. Yay. I met a fan recently and he just told me how much he likes our podcast and it made me really happy that's exciting yeah that's super exciting mm-hmm. people like us yeah i think so i like us and uh, you know so i i try to keep uh the social media in the in the middle yeah personal not too personal you probably won't find me posting any drama no one because mm. i don't have much drama yeah. in my life but two if i do do you really want to hear about the sad, sad things going on? Probably not. No. Maybe through our podcast, you will. Yeah. But not on face- Facebook. There's something about Facebook that's just like, it's gross. It's really gross to me. The idea of, uh, so people will like drop a plate of food and break it. And before just instantly grabbing a broom to clean it up, they'll take a picture to post, oh man, I dropped my dinner. And that's so weird to me. Yeah. There, ah, that and like um, something like that that really started bothering me was for a while, a lot of people were posting videos of people overdosing. Ooh. Um, I don't know if you saw like a, a, I think it was a police station posted a video of two parents who had overdosed in their front seat and they had kids in the back. Oh, my and God. the officers posted the video to raise awareness uh-huh. that this is the situation we're dealing uh-huh. with, with opioids and heroin and, you know, drug overdoses. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there was one where a, per- a person, a mom passed out, uh, mm-hmm. OD'd in a dollar store or like a dollar general. And someone is recording it and her daughter, her like two maybe four-year-old daughter is just sitting there crying screaming mom mom mommy mommy grabbing at her mom and I'm just I had to turn off because I'm like who the fuck just records that and doesn't help the child what the fuck is wrong with you yeah why is your impulse to take out your phone instead of to help the situation you fucking monster which I'm sure their response would be, I'm trying to raise awareness. But it's like, you know what? In that instant, that child needed someone to comfort them. They didn't need someone to stand over them with a fucking phone recording them. Like, they thought their mom died. Maybe she did die. I don't know what the fuck happened. But shit like that. It's just like, that's where we're getting. Yeah, because why, why get your hands dirty helping anyone when you can just raise awareness on social media? Be a lawyer. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, awareness is fucking great. You know what's better than awareness? Action. Exactly. Action is much better. 
post something about it afterwards. Write an essay. Write a, write a really uh, heartfelt essay about what how happened. How you helped this child and comforted them while their mom was ODing. And don't blow up their fucking shit and put their face and their actual business on the internet. Yeah. You can tell. So, like, this is my thing about being open and having this podcast is... I can tell my perspective and it's very clearly my perspective and all names have been changed to protect the innocent. Um, And I think that's a lot different than videotaping someone and putting someone on the internet. Definitely. Um, I really hate, and I've ever since cell phones have had cameras, I've, when you catch people covertly taking pictures of you and I'm like, listen, I see shit all the time I want to photograph to be like what the fuck is that but I don't do it because that's a human being that's another human being and I wouldn't want them to do it to me right and so that sort of thing where it's like I'm just going to take a picture of a stranger and post this on the internet fuck you yeah like seriously fuck you man yeah well it's like all the uh videos of the shooting that happened in Las Vegas Mm -hmm. part of me is just like well, we don't need that. No. We don't need all those videos. But whoever was out there losing their goddamn mind and thought, I'll I'll record this. Yeah. You know, it's just like, that's the culture we're living in. And I just think it's really interesting and strange. And it affects all of us. I think it even affects us subconsciously. Mm-hmm. I was at a light not too long ago, um, just stopped waiting for it to turn. And I saw these cops... Uh, pull a car over and it turned into a Walgreens parking lot and it looked like the guy or the person in the car was gonna leave for a minute try to Mm -hmm. like run from the cops and the cops jumped out of their car with their guns drawn oh my god and two cops ran around each side of the car and had their guns pointed and were like get out of the car open the door open the door and I was freaking out because I was really close Mm -hmm. and for an instant I thought should I record this and and post it I wouldn't post it. it. Maybe. I Yeah. And maybe you should record it. I don't know. But I just thought it was so bizarre that that was my reaction. Uh-huh. Was, I need to get this to put online. Yeah. yeah. And then I, I didn't. I just sat there and watched and was like, I hope no one gets shot in front of me. Mm-hmm. And they didn't. The person opened their car door and the cops put their guns down and I drove off because the light turned green. But yeah. it's just bizarre that that is where my mindset went was like. Ooh, something to put online. Yeah. What the fuck? Content. It's all content. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I just maybe we all need to like shut down the social media a little more often and just go outside or read a book or something. Well, you know that my my dream is to go to Costa Rica for six months to a year and kind of live off grid. That would be amazing. I went to Michigan for a couple weeks and, mm-hmm. and that was grid. also the Costa Rica of the Midwest. <laughs> so I think it would be great. I think everyone needs breaks once in a while. That year off Facebook did me real good. And now I don't check now that I'm back on, which I only got on to be in a specific witchery group, which is closed now. Which witch? Which witchery group? <laughs> call back yeah which i oh so anyways i now that i'm on facebook again i don't even look at it nearly as much Mm -hmm. but also the groups there's some real ugly people on the internet like yeah being in uh you know how they you just have closed groups to be in Mm -hmm. and all the podcast groups that come up 
Let me tell you. <laughs> a lot of them get, they end up shutting down because it I, gets too ugly. Yeah, I was going to say, there, there have been some posts where I'm just like, wow, like these people clearly don't give a shit mm-hmm. about anyone. That stuff hurts my heart because you yeah. know that I want to go through life thinking that everyone is an empathetic, loving, oh, yeah. altruistic human being. And um, then I'm continually surprised when that's not true. And it hurts my heart. Yeah, it makes me sad. So I, I was I talking with a coworker last night because she I work in I work in a dive bar and last, I've only ever worked in an environment like this once before and it was only for six months. And it was really hard because I'd go to college during the day. And so I was learning. I was with other people in this, uh, I, I want to say, elevated environment, right? Uh, I, I love academia. I know it can be elitist and masturbatory, but academia is like my favorite place to be. And so I'd be in college during the day and I'd be working on things with other people and Whatever. And then I'd come to this dive bar where it's just people who just fucking drink. They mm-hmm. spend 40 to 60 hours a week just drinking. And, and let's be real. It's like older yeah. guys. Well, yeah. The, this other bar was like half and half. Oh, but okay. Like, okay. But alcoholism is ugly. And also just if you all you do is you spend time at a job and then time at a bar, that's an ugly existence because you aren't learning, growing, experiencing, creating, expanding your mind. None of that. You're at a job and you're at a bar. And I'll tell you where no personal growth and development takes place. And that's at a bar. So the more time you spend at one, the less evolved you are as a human being. And I was talking to a younger coworker. She's 23. She's finishing her degree. She wants to be uh, some sort of special ed therapist teacher. And I told her that I was having a hard day. And she said, me too. And I said, it's hard because she she does. She goes to college all day during the day. And she's learning. She's. A lot of her classes this semester about anthropology, cultural diversity. And so it's one thing when you're reading about, okay, well, people from this background will tend to behave this way because they've been programmed that this is how you get what you want or they have this behavioral trigger or because they're from a single parent household, they have a limited vocabulary because if if you've had a... If you were raised by a single parent, by the age of two, you've heard a third less words than people with two parents. And that affects your cognitive abilities for the rest of your life because the bigger your vocabulary, um, it changes your thought processes. If you have more words to articulate things, you can uh, achieve higher levels of thinking. Anyways, I'm an annoying asshole is what I'm trying to say. But yeah, so I was saying this is like a hard uh, juxtaposition when you get to be in this bubble with like-minded people operating at a more intellectual and sophisticated level and then you come in here and I'm in that boat even though I'm not in college anymore I spend all of my free time developing um podcasts writing a play uh listening to podcasts researching so I spend all of my time outside of work and an elevated space. And then I go into this really bottom of the barrel of humanity where these people have been spending 40 hours a week at the same bar for on average 30 years each. Mm -hmm. And that's a very stunted place to be. You know how they say the age at which you begin abusing drugs is where you emotionally remain. 
And uh, it wears on me because I, I am knocked out of my little bubble where I'm like, everyone's like trying to evolve into a greater human being. And right. I'm like, nah, some people are just dog shit that don't care. They don't <laughs> fucking love themselves and they don't love other people. And they just run their fucking mouths about bullshit. They don't know what the fuck they're talking about. And they're hateful for no fucking reason. And it hurts my heart because I still have not accepted that that's reality. <laughs> Yeah, it's so true. It's so hard to go live in the world and realize that there are a ton of people who do not share your beliefs. Mm -hmm. They don't like your personality. I'm just speaking in general, not about you. No, but but no, that's true. Yeah, just, you know, in everyday situations, you constantly have to deal with people that are so different than Mm -hmm. you. I have a coworker who's She's a lot older than me. She's super religious. She's super close-minded. And it is like putting two feral cats in a cage Mm -hmm. when we're together. Mm -hmm. It is so, so hard to work with her. And I've been having to train her Mm -hmm. uh, for the past few weeks, which has been a learning experience. And it's for good. Sure. It's, it's. I think it's a a, um, a good challenge for everyone to face is to learn to get along with someone who's your opposite. Yeah, definitely. But it's draining. It is draining. I, I leave exhausted, just mm-hmm. mentally exhausted. But there have been some some good things to it, too. I think she's becoming a little bit more relaxed around me, good. just having to be near me more yeah. than usual. That's good. I mean, this lady's intense. I feel... As though I feel other people's energy oh. um, easily, mm-hmm. and uh, I I am around her for a minute, and literally just a minute, and when I leave, my hands are shaking uncontrollably yeah. because she has such a frantic, nervous energy That's about hard. her. Yes. she's so uptight and mm-hmm. just wound so tightly mm-hmm. that it's just a very thick frenetic energy yes very that's bad. very difficult to be around yeah um it's hard i'm a very permeable person and uh i've, I've made no progress over the years at building a thicker skin <laughs> um and so yeah that's that's difficult i i always use the example of i moved to new york with a boyfriend and he took to it like a fish to water he had never even been to the city and he took to it just fine And I used to vacation there all the time, so I thought I would adapt very well. But living in it really wore me thin because having no no time, no space, no quiet, always being boxed in around humanity. For me, just my day, I spent two hours a day commuting on a train, Mm -hmm. um, two, two hours to, two hours from work, or some days I would just walk because honestly it was as fast as taking the train. Um, but just always being around people and absorbing that energy, it affected me. He just, it just bounced off. He was not bothered by that loud neighbors, right? Smelly people, whatever. But I could, I could not hang. Yeah. Um, I didn't, I don't have thick enough skin for that. I've only visited Brooklyn once for a day and, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I don't think I could live in New York. I, I loved it. I want to go visit New York more and visit all the different boroughs and everything, but I couldn't live there. You know what's really funny about that is that's the boyfriend that we both... Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I just love how connected me and you are through so many random things. Mm-hmm. So I met Sydney through playing in a band, 
and she introduced me to my fiance. Um, but when we went to Brooklyn, I met my fiance's friend who happens to be Sydney's ex-boyfriend who she moved there with. And uh, I was like, oh, hi, nice to meet you, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I've, I've never met you before. Yeah. Turns out, yeah, I had. We went to high school together. Oh, you did? He crashed one of my parties and like, I guess broke, like trashed my house. Yep, that sounds about he... right. I've probably heard stories about this. This is so weird. This they is put a... weird cups of stuff in the cupboards. Yeah. This that is... was your house? That was my house. Oh my God, how funny is that? Here's the weird thing. I don't remember him or that uh-huh. at all. Like he uh, reached out to my fiance after we met and was like, I'm so sorry. Here's where I know your girlfriend from. Please tell her I am so sorry. I'm so embarrassed by my actions back then. We were in high school. Yeah. Um, And I was just like, oh, tell him not to feel bad because I have literally zero memory of that. Mm-hmm. So which is another thing that I've been thinking about is um, how we are our own worst enemies. Oh, yeah. Because... He's probably felt so guilty about that for who knows how long. A while, because when we were together, I don't, I think he probably drinks occasionally now, but when we were together, he quit drinking for quite some time and he was very, very much not saying straight edge, but he was very much into being sober. And that was one of the memories that he had about being an asshole when he would drink was that. And he did feel intense guilt about that. And yeah, like it it didn't affect me at all. No, of course not. It's like I have a very intense memory of um, when I was little. My dad would go to the chiropractor all the time. Mm -hmm. And so he would occasionally have me walk on his back. Frank, Frank, hey, Frank, we're making a podcast. Frank, Frank, Frank hey, Mike, Mike, can you tell Frank to shut up? Mike, please get Frank. Just pet him. Just pet Frank. Thanks. We have a new intern in case you didn't listen to the last episode. We have a new intern named Mike and we can't afford to pay him, but I do burp on his his uh, dick. And uh, in exchange, he does intern stuff for us. Yeah, his currency is dick burps. Dick burps. Yes, (laughs) we pay we pay Mike in dick burps and he loves it. So anyways, uh, occasionally my dad would ask me to walk on his back to crack it. I was like five, so Mm -hmm. I could do that. And um, we would play chiropractor Uh in a very normal way in case anyone's being like, this is going down a weird road. No, it's not. No. Okay. (laughs) Um, And so I would, because I go to the chiropractor, I'd watch what they would do. And so I grabbed his head Mm -hmm. and was like, I'm going to crack your neck now. Mm -hmm. And I wobbled it back and forth. And then I... Turned it really hard, and my dad got really upset and was like, you could have broken my neck. You don't do that. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't ever do that to someone. And it was really scary because his reaction. Mm -hmm. And that memory has stayed with me forever. And just I've always felt kind of bad about it. Like, oh, my God, I could have hurt my dad, and I didn't even know. But you were a child. I was a child, yeah. It's just a a weird memory that just stuck. Mm -hmm. And so... a. few years ago, I brought it up to my dad when we were hanging out. He didn't remember it at all. He had mm-hmm. no recollection of that. He's like, oh, that happened? I was like, yeah, you don't remember? He's like, no. And I've been letting myself feel guilty about it for like all these years. It didn't affect him at all. No, of course not. So it's just really funny what the what we do to ourselves. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> anyone out there who's feeling bad about something that you did to someone... Um, just realize that person 
probably doesn't even care or remember that it happened. Uh, And also guilt, guilt keeps you stuck. Yeah. And you just need to move forward. Yeah, just let it go. It's kind of like, you know, in the past episodes, I talked about a a certain wedding I went to. You Mm -hmm. can go back and listen. But I was thinking about that after we recorded and I thought, you know, it's funny. I I didn't feel that bad after leaving that wedding. Mm -hmm. I remember for the rest of the weekend, I had such a fabulous time. And so I don't know where all this like guilt is coming from way now mm-hmm. um but I'm, I've decided I'm gonna think of it as one of these situations that maybe she doesn't even care anymore she doesn't there's no way if she does then fuck her <laughs> so so yeah everyone just take one of your guilty memories and toss it out the window mm-hmm. and realize you're just making yourself feel guilty it's not the person that you did that to no and I bet you know, eight, 90% of those people, if you reached out and said, hey, I'm really sorry about this thing I did way back when, they'd go, oh, yeah, I let that go. Don't worry about it. Who cares? Um, that's, I mean, that's a common thing when people are in AA and they're doing their steps and they're oh, supposed yeah. to apologize to people they've hurt. And it's very common that the person they reach out to will go, I don't really give a shit and I'm just kind of bothered that I have to talk to you now. I've been that person. Yeah. I've had yeah, yeah, I've had AA people reach out to me and I'm just like, okay. I just think guilt is really ridiculous because if you keep doing something, if you're actively doing something and feel guilty about it, then okay, yes, that's telling you you need to stop doing it. But if it's in the past, who really gives a shit? Also, just being open about it. So voicing, I feel bad. I ruined this person's wedding, but I don't do that anymore. Cool. Instead of keeping that secret and living with the guilt, which I think a previous episode we talked about, just let's all be open with our bullshit. Yeah. So we don't have to feel bad about it. Um, I have a lot of scars on my forearms from self-injury, and I don't think about them on a daily basis because I don't currently cut myself. I haven't in quite some time. And it's just scars. If you anyone out there who has scars, also, like, you don't think about your tattoos every day. They're just, right. it's just there. It's just a part of your body, right? And every so often, someone will take note. Um, someone a couple days ago did, and they said, what the fuck? You were one of those? Oh, my God. And I was like, I just, it doesn't really bother me. I don't think about it. And they're like, how could you do that to yourself? And I was like, I I don't, I'm not mad at myself for it. Number one, with self-injury, 25% 25 of people do it at least once in their life. Right. That's really common then. So, and that can be anything. It's not just like cutting yourself, but it could be uh, people who rip, like, I've met a lot of people who they love ripping their nails off really low to the point where it hurts. Right. Ripping off their baby toenail or whatever. Like, people have their thing. I know people who pull out their eyebrows. So self-injury is really common. Also, to the beginning of recorded human history, there are records of people committing self-harm. So it's obviously a very primal biological instinct. So I'm not ashamed of the fact that I used to self-harm. And I explained to the person that you get you get an adrenaline rush when it happens. If you are experiencing emotional turmoil that you're not 
I mean, I was in a really, I wasn't, I wasn't raised well. I come from a bad family. So, and I had no control over that and there was nothing I can do about it. And if you are unable to have control over uh, your emotional pain and you're maybe not even able to articulate it, if you cut yourself, it feels fucking amazing. I'm sorry, but people out there who've cut themselves, like, no, it feels fucking amazing. You get a rush. It's like yeah. bungee jumping. Um, and that immediately wakes you up and takes you out of your unhealthy thought spiral. And so I'm not recommending people do it by, I'm of also course not, rec- not, I'm not recommending people bungee jump, but I'm just saying like, there's a reason why it's a very common thing for people to do. And I don't go around guilty or embarrassed. I'm not going to wear long sleeve shirts to hide the fact that I used to self harm. It's part of my past and history and it's not a big deal. You know, yeah. it's just like, I mean, listen, I also don't wear, I wear shorts even though I have cellulite because I don't believe in being embarrassed of my body. It's 120 fucking degrees here. I'm going to wear shorts. I'm going to wear tank tops. If you don't want to look at my cellulite or my, you know, scars, then I'm, I'm sorry. Just like walk in the opposite direction. Yeah. I, feeling guilty or ashamed of that is, seems like a waste of, uh, energy because you know what, like. That keeps you stuck. It keeps you stuck in bad behaviors, bad relationships, addiction, um, being stuck in the negative instead of figuring out what the positive is and moving towards that. Yeah. And I'm much more interested at, at moving forward. So don't be guilty, man. Unless you killed somebody and like that, you should feel a little bad about that. If and you did it go on purpose. Tell the police. Just go turn yourself Just in. Just turn yourself in. If you've committed moita, go turn yourself in. If you've committed moita to a pussy and you look like Paul Reiser... Just keep doing that then. <laughs> I mean, send me an email. This is what I'm saying. If you if you are a pussy moiterer and you look like Paul Reiser... I love that. Hashtag little, I love that. Hashtag I love that. Hashtag Paul Reiser. Put your dick in me. <laughs> Paul Reiser. Stick your dick in me. <laughs> You're unmad about you. And I'm mad about you. <laughs> That's our new Paul Reiser song. And that those, those are the lyrics. It those, just repeats. Yes. I actually am going to make a video of me playing my toy keyboard singing about Paul Reiser. That's on my to-do list. So uh, did you make a song about him and putting his dick in you? No. What was that conversation we had? We, well, I, I sang uh, not on the podcast a whole song about Paul Reiser fucking me. But that was right. all improv. Yeah. And then I said... Oh, that's so funny because I wrote a song called Tupac Stick Your Dicky in Me. Yep, you <laughs> Which sure did. I don't know why I keep calling the dick the dicky, but... But in that song, because it was like Tupac-y Stick Your Dicky in Me, I don't know. I remember it, it. Yeah. I think it is something like he wears dickies. Oh, He can okay. take his dicky and his dickies. Sometimes sticky you... Sticky in me. So sticking your dicky in me. Listen, sometimes you want to fuck someone so badly you have to write a song about it. That's yeah. just the way it is. I was obsessed with Tupac uh, all throughout high school. I had a floor-to-ceiling Tupac poster right next to my bed that I would kiss his stomach every night. Oh, my God. That's I'm so not amazing. embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed of that. That's beautiful. Yeah. I loved him. I had all the books written about him. I had his poetry book. That's uh, amazing. Rose from Concrete or something like that. and videos documentaries i have 
a Tupac statue in my house right now. Oh, you now. do? It's really nice. The- <laughs> yeah, I I guess you could call it nice. I mean, uh, I'm being generous. <laughs> my art teacher gave it to me last semester. He was like, I made a statue of Tupac. And I told him my love for Tupac. He brought it to me. And I was like, this is not Tupac. No, it doesn't look like Tupac. <laughs> this is uh, uh, some metal structure formed into a human figure <laughs> with some wings on it. And <laughs> there's a big sign around that says Tupac teach peace. It's... <laughs> Tupac, teach us peace. It looks like in the Lionel Richie hello video where there's a class of blind people sculpting his head. And and none of them look like Lionel Richie. It looks like the, I would say probably someone from the bottom end of the students in that blind class made this Tupac statue. However, it is very nice that he gave it to you and that you have it. Yeah, I think so. I'll put pictures on the gram. Oh, yeah. Yeah, gram that for this. I I texted Sydney the other day and I said something, uh, blah, 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 social Oh, yeah, you're all up on them social I just felt so millennial. Um, I had a friend the other day get, she she was a little testy. I called myself a millennial and she's like, you're 30. Stop it. Millennials are 30. I said, no, no, I'm being serious. Technically, I am a millennial. Uh And she just shut up. Yeah, I and I always forget because I I technically am a millennial. Yeah, and I forget. we're the old millennials. Yeah, because it spans it's a, it's a really wide span. It spans what fifteen years or something, which in previous generations wouldn't be that big of a cultural difference. But if you think of the difference, I was born in eighty four, and mm-hmm. I think the cutoff for millennials is ninety three or ninety four. Okay. Yeah, it's born so in eighty seven. And so that's very different to be born in nineteen eighty four versus nineteen ninety four. That's the difference yeah. between always having a computer in your home and not. I mean yeah. it's like both of us can remember only having house phones mm-hmm. um and not cell phones. I can remember when my pa- grandparents got a cell phone they were the first people in all my family to get a cell phone and it was huge Uh and it just had a very small green screen so you could only dial your nine numbers Mm -hmm. and the bill I remember my mom had one for work and so we had the number in case there was an emergency yes but it was a huge deal if you called her on that phone because it was like this costs ten dollars a minute she'd (laughs) scream so getting so much trouble. Yeah. I grew up in the era where you could go to work. Our parents went to work and they were off grid. You because- couldn't get a hold of them all yeah. day if you unless you called the work phone and do not do that unless it is an emergency. Unless it's an emergency. My and- what? Oh, I was gonna say, yeah, my mom was an RN, so we'd have to call the front desk oh, of the yeah. hospital and leave a message, and then she would have to call back as soon as possible. They paid her. Yes, and so it had to be an emergency because she was with patients all day, um, and I just think of how beautiful that would have been. To, when you're at work, you're off-grid. You're off-grid. It's that Don Draper life that people yes. fantasize about Mad Men, and it's not just the martinis and the women. It's that he was able to live a double, triple life because... No one could get a hold of him. Yeah, you can actually, like... You can't check that cell phone. Yeah, you can compartmentalize your life if you are not... If it's not linked together by the internet and phones. What a beautiful, terrifying time that was. Right? I mean, 
it's great now you can get a hold of anyone anytime you want emergencies Mm -hmm. whatever but I do miss you know I'm gonna go to the store I'll be home when I get home yeah if you need something in between that time sorry sorry about it deal with it Uh uh-huh welcome to our podcast Remember when? Remember when? <laughs> so um, fucking nostalgic. But that is, there's a couple bars that I like. I, I don't like going to bars because I don't drink and therefore it's boring because as the drunker people get, the more fun they're having and the less fun it is for me to be around them. That is so true. <laughs> Watching drunk people when you're sober is the worst. It's the fucking worst. And you're like, you're just getting grosser and grosser and uh, yet you're really uh, enjoying yourself. Um <laughs> So, but the two bars that I like are ones where most people don't get cell phone reception. Yes. And I love it because if I am going to get dressed up and go spend time with you, you better not be on your goddamn telephone. Yeah. That's not how that shit's popping off. So, um, I love it. Severely annoying when people are just staring at their phone and you're sitting across the table just staring at them, staring at their phone, going, oh, I don't feel the need to look at other things right now. I've had times where I've said, "Do you, should I go get my phone? My phone's in the car. I feel like I should go get it because I didn't know we were going to be on our phones. Right. Like, and that's uh, because honestly, I, I came to hang out with you. But if what we're doing is um, being in the same room while fucking with our phones, I'll go get my phone, I guess. Yeah. Um, And that's a big thing for me on a date. If someone pulls out their phone um it's also a big sign that i'm not that super into you uh if yeah. i'm dating you and i res- if i respond to text messages uh while i'm spending time with you chances are not that into you because i think it's super disrespectful i think so too um do you think our technologies move too fast well yes i i mean i we are meant to uh, have relationships with 70 people at a time where we're meant to know 70 people and we know thousands of people. Right. I think technology has advanced beyond um, at a faster rate than we can adjust socially to it. And I don't think we're meant to have all the stimulation that we have. And I think that's a huge source of mental illness and unhappiness, depression, mm-hmm. addiction, uh, people fucking popping off and shooting up things yeah. is because like, we we have access to way too much. We have access to way too much. We're overstimulated. Yeah. One of the methods of uh, brainwashing is to provide somebody a little bit of information about a lot of topics because their brain is so active in so many areas, they're unable to make clear decisions. Um, mm. And like, if you think about the way we are now, we everybody knows a little bit about everything yes instead of it used to be you just had one area of study right be like oh he's a blacksmith he knows how to blacksmith she is a teacher he is a mechanic like he (laughs) but now it's like everybody's a jack of all trades well they're a jack off of all trades you know i i can weld a, a candle holder together but i can also watercolor yeah well i can also crochet i can also embroider we're magical flowers with many talents, but we're we're what they call what they would call in the old days a tinkerer. Yes, I'm and, very much a tinker. So yeah, it used to be, and it generally was the domain of a man where you know he'd have a wife and kids, but he'd always be out tinkering in the garage trying to. Oh, that's me. Modify a clock radio, and that's how I am. I'm a I'm definitely a tinkerer, and that's mm-hmm. how you are. Where you're always 
learning a new craft or trade because you're doing you have to be doing things yes um do you think that this um social media or not just social media but this technic uh, technology that we have and the speed that it came to us is also the reason we're feeling so nostalgic because I feel like we are at our peak nostalgia moment right now like we want the 90s we well, want them now we want the 80s we want any time that is not this time I feel like we are having a hard time even creating what this time is. Well, generally the nostalgia cycles come in. You know how they say fashion goes on a 20-year cycle? Mm. And the nostalgia goes on the cycle where uh, generally it's the young um, professionals, so people in their 30s, are becoming nostalgic for the things they had as a child because they're making there's the final push into adulthood and they're nostalgic for these things that they had when they were younger because they're... It's being safe, forced it's to fully, happy. yeah, um, and then also they have the money to buy all the stuff they wanted as a child. Yes, and yeah. so that's kind of the nostalgia cycle. Whether or not it's more intense than in previous generations, I don't know. That would be an interesting study to look into because the '90s were all about the early '70s, right? I definitely had bell bottoms, and remember the Woodstock '95 and yes. like. That's it was true. definitely Lilith Fair. Lilith Fair. I wore flame stitch shirts and bell bottoms, mm-hmm. and I was obsessed with the musical hair. And so it it does do that. But I don't know. I mean, I've always been nostalgic. When I was a little girl, I used to tell my mom I wish that I had grown up with her instead of been born when I was. Because my mom went to college. Um, she graduated in seventy three, and I always say I wish I lived my twenties in the seventies. I'm reading a play right now that my friend wants to produce, and it's about dating in the 80s. The initial, the original cast was John Lithgow and um, Diane Keaton. Oh, and, that would have been really good. Yes, and I'm reading this script, and just picture them yeah. in the early in 80s. anything. And, uh, yes. Oh. Um, and the, the dating where they didn't have answering machines... Uh, it's just they had home oh. phones, no answering machines, and it's very interesting. I would have been much happier... Uh, unless overwhelmed, uh, yeah. If that's how my I life feel like was a lot going. of us would be, even mm-hmm. if we don't want to admit it. Yeah. I my mom always tells me I should have been born in the eighties. Okay. When were you born? Eighty-seven. Or I'm I'm sorry. I should have lived in lived the in the eighties. I should have been an adult in the eighties mm-hmm. instead of been being born in the eighties. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I uh, post birth control uh, pre AIDS. That would have been a great era. Oh yeah. Oh, my God. My hair would have been huge. Yep. I just want to be like a flower child. Yeah. I want to be like, you know what I want to be like? Like like a picture Sharon Tate if she hadn't been murdered Mm -hmm. and like how she would have eased into the 70s. That's that's how I like to. That's how I like to picture myself. Just blonde hair and doe eyed and. Get yeah. my boogie on. Oh, I love that. Oh, real quick, tell us about um, the project you were working on that we saw on uh, on Instagram. Oh, the short film? Yes. So I'm doing a short film competition with my friend Chris McKernan, and um, it's just a one-minute short film, um, 
And the winners get a bunch of software and video cameras, and they're featured on some industry website. But we're doing a mashup of live action and stop motion. Uh, I'm doing paper craft stop motion. Uh, I was originally going to build the sets and film it all scene by scene, but I think what I'm going to do now is photograph uh, the individual pieces and actually do the motion all digitally. Um, not interesting to people uh, who aren't animators, but anyways... Um, we uh, we play two people who go to a party uh, separately and everyone has someone else to talk to and you see our thought processes via the stop motion of feeling lost in the woods in a valley and as we start to talk we the paper craft versions kind of the mind crawls out of the valley and his comes down off this mountain and they meet in the fantasy world. And then in real life, we leave the party together and uh, we open the door to go outside and it's like a magical paper craft animated world. So it's like a little parable about human connection. Oh, I love that. Um, I don't know in the time frame that it's going to play off as beautiful as I want it to be, but uh -huh. this could also be a rough draft for a down the line, better right. production version of it. Um, but yeah, I did a little acting. That's awesome. Well, I saw a picture on Instagram in your hair. I've never seen your hair curled like that. Oh. And I, that's what I was excited about. Oh, yeah, because I looked like a real housewife. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was just like, oh, my God, I've never seen Sydney like this. Um, it's well, nice hair. Yeah, I went and got my uh, hair touched up. I foiled it. They did Ooh. foils, so they did a color weave. Uh, it's very much more yeah. of a natural blonde. Yeah. Um, and now I can pass, I can almost pass for a normal person. <laughs> almost. Um, almost. Almost. Until I start talking and then it's like, oh, look at this fucking trucker. <laughs> well, so. I feel like that's the perfect place to put a pin in Let's it today. Let's put a pin in it. We'll put a pin in it and I'll uh, sit on your dad's dick. We'll put a pin in it and she will cast a spell. Boom. <laughs> All right. You guys have a good one. You can find us on all social media at Simone Shea Podcast or Simone Shea Pod. Um, and email us at Simone Shea Podcast at gmail.com. Have a good week and happy hump day. <laughs> good night. <laughs>